Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Madness Continues podcast. This is your host, Brendan Lemon. Thank you for tuning in, uh, all two or three of you. We really appreciate it. I really appreciate your support, Mom and Dad and Grandma and Grandpa. Uh, also, I would like to special shout-out, shout-out, special shout-out, <laughs> special shout-out to Vladimir V. Putin. Uh, that guy, he is, uh, he's, as you know, he's a big fan of the show. Everybody listening, he's uh, we keep getting one listener from the Russian Federation. What am I using the plural for? We, as if there's another person who has any input on this podcast. <laughs> oh my God, you guys! I'm so sorry. I should say this for this being out a day late. I want to release on Tuesday mornings, following Bill Burr. He releases on Mondays. I want to release on Tuesdays, but. Uh, this week was uh, somewhat of an, a, a special challenge because I just had so much stand-up going on. Um, helped record Olivia Grace's stand-up comedy special uh, at a gay bar, which was great, at Shakers here in Chicago. Gay bar, wonderful place. It is the uh, one of the few places I've done stand-up comedy that has a disco ball on the stage and a brass pole. Uh, it has a brass pole. At the bar, it's Shakers on Clark for all of you Chicago locals. Uh, there is a, uh, I was going to say great open mic, but I think applying the term great to any open mic is maybe too aggressive. <laughs> Every once in a while, I have some friends who are like, hey, I should come out. Let's see you do. We'll come out to do comedy. We'll watch you do comedy at the open mic. And um, it, I'm always like, no, don't don't come. <laughs> don't, don't come out. Do not come out to the open mic, Okay. Stay home, watch, just do whatever. Don't come out to the open mic. For those of you who are not stand-up comics, uh, people who are in my network or coming here from Cora, who are not stand-up comedians, let me tell you something about an open mic. It is the the question you ask is, where do dreams go to die? Uh, An open mic is, it would look a lot like an open mic. An open mic is a group of people who are sometimes good comics, actually. And in Chicago, there's a lot of really good comedians. And they all are getting together to try out their material. So you're sitting there in a room with like 35 people who are all doing four minutes and trying out new bits. And they all know each other already, mostly. And they're just waiting for their turn to go up. So... (laughs) They have no interest. <laughs> they have no interest at all in being there. And there's one person who'll get up and they'll do their their whatever jokes and they'll be like, yeah, you know, the thing about it's like I got my car from my dad and it's like, what's the d- deal, man? It's like this car. It's like it won't even start. And like they they're and then they, then they look at the audience because that was the punchline. And then the audience doesn't laugh and then they just get angry. And then it's like, now there's three more minutes. (laughs) An open mic is the most awkward. We once had a dare in the Chicago scene, by the way. Who could bring a date? Uh, Even if uh, if you had a first date, you would win a gold star. But if you could bring a girl uh, to an open mic, and it had to be a guy bringing a girl because a dude will sit through anything if there's a chance that he's going to get laid afterwards. It's just a difference between men and women. A man, if a if a, it doesn't even have to be a, a even a, a, a terribly attractive woman, to be perfectly honest. Just a, any woman, just any woman who is like could tell a guy, "Hey, look, I need you to sit here in a, a pile of dirty, muddy water uh, for for two and a half hours." Um, but when we're done, I'm gonna 
I'll come back. Oh, you know, you and I, maybe we'll fuck. And by the way, there it is right there. We hit the NSFW. We hit it. We already hit it. We're a few minutes into this podcast and we hit it yet again. So I'm losing all, losing all you middle schoolers. Middle schoolers fuck. I, I think that's true. I I didn't even know what sex was when I was in middle school. I was very uh I don't I don't think I was sheltered. I was aware that it had to do with penises and vaginas. I did not really think about it very much though. This is what's so strange is that like there's this bizarre I think misconception or some kind of strange idea that like you're like, "Oh man, you didn't even know what it was back then and you you were aware of your not knowing what it was." I don't think I knew and I don't think I cared. Because uh, I also don't think I thought, I just didn't think about it. You know what I mean? When you're, you know, it's like when you're playing video games and you're, uh, it's like if you didn't know there was an, a special ending to a video game and somebody was like, oh, you didn't know about the special ending in Mega Man X 2? Like, what? oh, man, yeah, you, it's like, this is totally there. You'd have no idea. You just, you know, all you know about the game is the bit that you played. So, like, I had a, I had a, I had a dick and it got hard. That was alarming. By the way, I'm so far off track, by the way, right out of the gate on this podcast. Uh, I, I'm so far out of the gate. I will talk about Shakers. I will talk about shooting Olivia Grace's special uh, because she's very funny. She's been on Comedy Central, open for Doug Stanhope. She's a very, very funny comedian, um, and I will, t- I will finish talking about open mics. But right now i got to talk about my little 13-year-old boner. So this 13-year-old boner that I had... Uh, you, you can't, you, hopefully you only get 13 year old boners once in your life. If you're a boy, be a little weird to have them if you were a girl, I suppose. Once again, uh, this episode is brought to you by the black Phillip cider by Blake's in Armada, Michigan. Oh God, that's delicious. Uh, Blake's uh, cider is the unofficial, uh, not at all sponsor of this podcast. I say this podcast is brought to you by them because if I was not inebriated, <laughs> Buddy, I'd be doing more productive things, okay? Say that to yourself in, in the mirror eight times in the morning before you go off into your day job. Huh, schlubby buddy? Anyway, uh, let's get back to this 13-year-old boner. It was very uh, confusing. Uh, I remember getting one of, one of my first boners, and I was very, I was very, uh, I was confused. I was very confused. Because uh, nobody goes, hey, hey, even even people who go, all right, so let me back up. We watched a video. <clears throat> we watched, good God, my body is rejecting even trying to tell this story. We we watched a video when I was 10 years old, and the video, it was in class. It was at school. So I want you to imagine how traumatic this should, this is, this was, and still is. You know, Faulkner said the past is not dead, it's not even past, and... You know, your your boner of yesteryear, your yester boner, is still with you, and you got to deal with it. So so here's what happened. I was uh, 10, and I was sitting in a classroom with a very angry, overweight teacher, Mrs. Michaelis. Uh, that's who it was. She's a real... She's a real person. I hope she's dead, honestly, because if this gets back to her... <laughs> Oh man, she was uh, she was angry. She was overweight. She was an older woman, uh, and was just like, "All right, today we got the sexual education. You're ten, gonna have to start dealing with this. 
Let's watch this video. So we did t- the they we separated into the boys group and the girls group, uh, and all sat down on the floor of Mrs. Michaelis's room. She turned the lights off and put on a video, and that video was a guy in khakis and a polo shirt and a sweater tied around his neck, uh, like he was at a country club, talking to us about getting a hard dick. <laughs> And it was just me and all the other class members. And we were all sitting on the floor try, tr- just trying not to look at, make eye contact with anyone. <laughs> it was the most, I think I sweat my body weight during that video. I mean, that was the worst 13 and a half minutes of my life, I think. Because you've, you know what I mean? You're like, did I get, I mean, I don't even want to admit that I have a wiener to these other people let alone that it gets hard. Or, that's confusing. And they never said, here's the thing. <clears throat> they never explained what it was for in the video. It was just like, hey, you're going to get a hard dick. And uh, well, and that was worse, actually. They never used the word dick. They just they used the word penis. You're going to get a hard penis. <laughs> I'm 31. I still can't say that with a straight face. <laughs> they must have done a thousand takes. With this guy in his stupid sweater, his country club tennis sweater, walking around with his 80s jerry curl. He's a white man with a jerry curl in this video. He looked like the best friend of the bad guy in an 80s film. And he was talking to you about your hard penis. Sometimes it'll get hard. As hard as a rock, even. Uh, Which sent the entire classroom into giggles. Mrs. Michaelis pounded her desk, and she would go, Quiet down! Uh, and, uh, we, we all would, um, hide inside of, we would all climb inside of ourselves, uh, and get lost forever in that moment. Uh, that was only the beginning, actually. I, not that anyone in this, not, and that any eight of you want to hear about this, but the, it, it only got worse because the next year we had sexual education with, uh, Mrs. Abraham, who is an even worse teacher, and fuck her. I hope she's not dead, and I hope people hear this and message her because she's the worst. Um, truly the worst teacher I ever had. She was the worst woman. Um, I God, she was awful. Here, all right. So I, here's why I say this because um, she was. We sat in a. Uh, we this one was co-ed, which was even. So it's like strange because it's like when you're sitting all with all the boys. It's bizarre enough, but when it's co-ed and you're 11 years old, you're like, I, f- I, I have no, why am I here? What are we doing? I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to hear about this. I don't want, and let alone from a fucking hobgoblin woman who would just uh, eat you so much as, as, as look at you. I mean, that w- there's no way children did not disappear in her classes. There's no fucking way. There's got to be an Unsolved Mysteries episode about the disappearing children of Plymouth, Michigan. They went to West Middle School, and they di- and they disappeared forever. They're going to find the sharpened bones of those children locked somewhere underneath the second-floor classroom of that former teacher. It's going to be like uh, the, the two kids they found in the Tower of London, just these sharpened, strange bones on a necklace with little A's carved in them for Abraham. <laughs> oh, my God. I hated that. I don't think anyone – that she should not have been teaching. There's just no way. I mean, we sat in this biology lab co-ed, and she read this book, and the whole tone was like, "All right, listen, okay, this is a this is a urethra. Some of you have them. 
Ugh. This is a uterus. If you have sex, you're going to die. <laughs> I mean, that was basically the tone of this whole thing. Man, this this went off on a hell of a tangent. Once again, uh, the confessional episodes of The Madness Continues are not at all going according to plan. Um, I'm probably got sex on the brain for a number of reasons, but one of them is that I've recently been thinking, uh, thinking, Jesus, listening to Sex Think. It was a podcast uh, by Rob Nelson and Chanel Preston. Uh, Rob, former... Uh, Fox News uh, personality and a reporter. He's a interesting guy. Chanel Preston, uh, the uh, the famous porn star, and uh, it's a, it's a very interesting show. Um, they they actually do a very good job, I think, of discussing uh, intellectually these different ideas. I mean, Chanel brought up the myth of male power by Warren Farrell the other day, which is really impressive, and uh, they have a number of guests that are pretty fascinating, and especially due to the recent. I mean, the unofficial trend. Lately on this podcast has been me talking about these uh, these different um, you know these different men who have been accused, and I feel like that's the only thing the culture can kind of like deal with lately. Uh, and so they have started the podcast at a very interesting moment because there there's a lot clearly to talk about. And uh, Chanel has a very fascinating and interesting uh, perspective on this, being that she she's in the world of sex work. She's a porn star. She before that was a stripper and uh so she's she's she is the uh, the the object target and exists within the ecosystem of of male uh desire and sexual attention. And uh she brings a unique perspective to a lot of this because it's strange because she's both she exists in that space professionally, but she um She's benefited from it, I guess you could say, um, but also is at the receiving end of a lot of what other women, I think, have to have to deal with um, typically, but she's dealing with professionally, which I think is kind of interesting. So I, I think I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I would encourage you guys to go take a look at that uh, or listen rather to that podcast, that Sex Think. You can check out at Sex Think on Twitter. They uh, They talk about it there. Uh, I, Rob does talk about his 13 year old boner a couple of times. So some of this will, will, will translate, you know, if you find yourself getting a little aroused (laughs) at that subject matter, um, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll enjoy that in the background. You hear uh, the tapping and the noises. That is, uh, my, uh, girlfriend, my live in girlfriend, Gloria Scott. She is going to be making some uh, smoothies here in a minute, which is very sweet of her and very nice, and everybody's going to hear it. So uh, so just get ready to hear that in the background. We bought a Vitamix. Let's talk about that for a second. Oh, there it goes. You can hear it. This microphone, by the way, is a newer mic. Newer. 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 Oh, there it goes, man. Listen to that Vitamix. Son of a bitch, that thing is sexy. That is, right there, that is a $400 blender. I bought that motherfucker. Actually, we pay, Actually, we paid a lot less for it because uh, we got it refurbished and on sale. It's got a lifetime guarantee, everybody. That Vitamix is going to be making smoothies when I'm in my, uh, when I'm a centenarian. 
I'm going to be, and I'm going to be living that long because I'm eating healthy out of a Vitamix. That's how you know. So you need to buy the, there, I'll tell you what, that is a gamble for that company. Because if you're eating that healthy, you're going to be living a lot longer anyway. So they got to, they really, they're putting their, all their chips on the table here. They're standing by that, the quality manufacturer of that product. Because if they said, we got a lifetime guarantee, but then you eat all the smoothies, you end up gaining another 20 to 30 years. That's a lot of coverage right there. You know what I mean? They're not, they're playing the truly long game on this one. I, and you know what? I respect any, any motherfucker who wants to stand by their guarantee like that. That is some, that is some commitment and I'll give them my money. So you, you might sit there and think to yourself, oh, $400 blender. That's, that's a little bit much, Brendan. Yeah, it's a little bit much, but you'll be going through three, four, five blenders in your lifetime. Well, that'll add up quickly. <laughs> you're like, you're playing the short game on blenders, okay? You're being uh, blender uh, foolish. Penny wise and blender foolish, my friend. Meanwhile, I'm being, I'm, I'm, I'm being blender wise and and just wise <laughs> uh you know what they say if the world's if if good if good intentions were made of blenders the world would be eating smoothies i don't know what the fuck i just made that up all right let, let, let let's get back to shakers on clark here cuz i don't, i wasn't quite finished with that um shakers on clark is a gay bar that they do stand-up comedy at, and uh, they also do a lot of drag shows. But it's not the only place I've done stand-up comedy that has a brass pole on the stage. No siree. The other place that I've done stand-up comedy uh, that I've talked about in my act, famously, I should mention, is uh, the... the um, is the... Uh, uh, bus stop in northern Boulder. The bus stop. Which uh, is a strip club, I should mention. Uh, the bus stop in Northern Boulder. I used to hang out with uh, a guy named James Gold. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian currently. I, I think I don't know if he still does it anymore in um, Boulder, Colorado. But he um, he he used to be. He actually used to be homeless, uh, which I was too later afterward. I should mention. Um, so he used to be homeless. I was also homeless. And he called me one day because he did have a cell phone. He was staying at the North Boulder shelter. Uh, he was staying with me for a while until he got a space at the shelter. And uh, then he called me and he goes, hey, you're not going to believe what I'm looking at right now. And I said, what is it? And he goes, I'm, I'm across the street from the, the bus stop, the strip club in North Boulder. And uh, they have a sign that says open mic stand-up comedy on Monday. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's right here. It's a says it in North Boulder. And I was like, what are you doing across the street from the... And he's like, oh, no, the, the shelter's here. <laughs> so clearly they know their audience. Or they just want to be close to uh, their their workers. Whatever one, I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, we went up there, and sure enough, there was a guy named Marcus who was doing... Uh, he was uh, Marcus Fowler, I believe was his name. Or Tyler Fowler? One of the two. Something Fowler. I think it was Marcus Fowler. This is some years ago now. And... We walked in, and this place, I mean, it was not great. It was really, uh, it was really, I mean, strip clubs uh, alone are depressing. I'm sure some of you have been out there looking at you, Vladimir V. Putin, and 
Vladimir Putin, by the way, does not go to strip clubs. He just owns people. So we went into the strip club, and uh, it was it it was it was pretty gross. <laughs> if it if there was an actual bus stop there, I would not have waited for the bus. I would have moved on. So <laughs> most strip clubs regularly are not terribly uh, nice places. I should say I I've I've only been to a handful. Uh, I've been to the the nicest one I was at was the Hustler Club in in New Orleans, uh, with some work people years later, and uh, it and that one was nice. I mean, it was really it was clear that there was a lot. It was a destination strip club, uh, not for patrons necessarily, but for strippers. I wasn't aware of this, but there's a lot of strippers who they go around the country. They have a real profession. This is like a real career, which I by the way respect. I should be very clear on that. Um, I don't have anything against strippers per se. I think I do have something against strip clubs uh, because most of them are that I've been to are pretty rough. Uh, most strippers I've ever met have been wonderful people. Um, they've been very nice. At the Hustler Club in particular, we sat down and talked with them for hours. And uh, they were all great. Told me about their kids, uh, which was interesting. Uh kind of fascinating i mean i enjoyed hearing about them i just there's something about me where i go into a, if i'm in a situation i would never go to a strip club of my own volition it's the one place you know that you're going to lose money and not get laid um unless you have a lot of money and then why would you need to go to a strip club if you have that much money you probably have a woman in your life who'd fuck you anyway so i don't know um but the uh the hustle club is very nice uh however most of them are not most of them are you walk in and it's like uh there's a tiny merch section where it's like hey do you want to do you need to buy something you need to buy a flashlight so you can handle something on the way home slash in the bathroom uh or do you you know do you need a drink there's a bar with a guy who is um really normally very greasy he's very greasy there's a dj booth behind what looks like bulletproof glass in most places and then uh, there's the you know there's the actual performance space where there's like the poles, and uh, and that's the whole thing. And uh, mostly it's dark. Uh, I don't think anybody dares to turn a black light on. And the bathrooms are either very clean and you can tell, or you you do not know and you better stay the fuck out. So that's why <laughs> that has been my experience of uh, most strip clubs. Hold on, I need to try this smoothie. My girlfriend dropped it off here a moment ago. It's the peanut butter. She's really into making these peanut butter smoothies, which um are good if you've ever had one. It's pretty good. This one is peanut butter and um and some kind of berry, I think. Uh which is unique. There's uh she's been in experimenting with flavors lately. And I I don't want to say this too loud, but you know, stick to what you know. That's what I'm thinking. I can share this with you people. None of you will tell her, right? We're friends, right? Uh, all right, let's get back to the strip club situation. Um, the bus stop, dirty place. And uh, and Marcus, when we got there, I couldn't believe this was a real thing. I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. This is a real, this is a strip club. You will allow a comedian to come in here and, and tell the jokes? Like, there's titties in this room. You know that, right? Like, there's no fucking wait like between if somebody was like hey man do you want to see a great pair of tits uh or even a mediocre pair of tits or do you want to hear a great joke i'd be like i'm probably gonna go with the tits actually 
Like, <laughs> you know, I have Netflix. Like, I don't need the joke in real life. I can go watch other jokes and know them. But, you know, you don't see titties a lot in real life. I mean, you can see them on your computer, sure. But, you know, I'd rather see the real ones. <clears throat> so, uh, Marcus was, I was like, you, are you kidding? You're going to have the comedians come on stage? And he was like, yeah, you know, we're kind of slow on Mondays. So we thought we could... You know, we'd give the open mic and the comedians would come in and, you know, spend a little bit of money maybe at the bar. Maybe they'll get a dance or something. And I was like, look, man, if you are going to comedians for your market of choice here uh, in order to make money, you uh, should you are going to be out of business. (laughs) There's no group of people with less disposable incomes than the stand-up comedians. I mean, there's no fucking... Nobody makes money doing this. Even the people who make money doing this don't make money. I listened to Bonnie McFarlane the other day on James Altucher's podcast. Uh, who, friend of the show, by the way. I will tell you about that in a minute. Went out to New York again. Uh, you heard because of the interview with William Petit. We met Ray Dalio, which was very cool. I'll talk about that in a minute. But anyway, Bonnie McFarlane is a famous comedian. Married to Rich Voss. Uh, saw her, kind of met her at the um, Olive Tree, which is above the um, uh, Comedy Cellar in New York. And uh, she does shows all over the place. She does road gigs. She does, uh, you know, all over the place. She's been on television. She barely even makes a living doing this shit. Like, it's... <clears throat> it, it has to be one of the most... It is one of the most insane ways to spend your time and energy. Uh, it's it's terribly unlucrative, only a handful of the people ever make it. I mean, there are people who make it big too. I mean, that's it's that's true. I mean, that's obvious. There's, you know, there's people with comedy specials and have parlayed those things into acting careers and everything like this. But the amount of people who do that is is very low, and I'm gonna be one of them. <laughs> I'm gonna be one of them, audience. I'm not like the other people, the other nobodies who cycle through the open mic scene. Okay, like transients on a on a boxcar. I'm talking about real ass people making real ass money. Okay, uh, and it's gonna be because of you people. Um, I'm I'm really hopeful that hopefully it will be me, but I'm aware of the fact that a lot of that is shooting for the moon. It's shooting for the moon. Uh, I, hardly anybody actually ends up making it, and uh, some people do, but some people very much do not. And uh, and those people uh, go to open mic at Shakers. <laughs> See how I draw that back in. So this guy is like, yeah, no, we can do the. We're doing, the, you know, the comedians are coming into the bus stop. That's why we're doing this. Uh, and that began the most ridiculous of, uh, night of comedy I've ever had in my life, uh, because the entire night went stripper, comedian, stripper. That's true. Um, that is true. I. I, I a lot of people are like, hey, man, I would have a lot of trouble. I could never do stand-up comedy. No, yeah, you could. You could get up on stage and fucking do whatever for a few minutes, and you'd be fine. But if you had to get on stage and follow a naked woman dancing who wasn't even done yet, they just finished playing the song, and now they're trying to bring a comedian to entertain you. This is not a burlesque show, by the way. These were not people who were like paying for like some exciting, arousy entertainment. This was like... Let's have the comedian come on here and start talking about their hot take on airplane food. I mean, it was, it was true. And the, by the way, this was not like, uh, you know, this was not New York. These are not comedians who are like, oh, that guy was on Comedy Central. He's headlining Carolines. It was like we were all open mic people in what was essentially a 
a a a tertiary market to a tertiary market of comedy. Denver probably third uh third area market is my guess. Uh Boulder, Colorado outside of Denver, way way out there. I mean, it's unbelievable. I think Patton Oswalt did it one time. Oh, man, just had to get a little bit more of that smoothie. Um, super sore from CrossFit. We'll talk about that maybe. Or maybe not because we haven't even really gotten to any of these subjects. But to just get back, let me draw it in. So Shaker's on Clark. Very nice place. A unique place. Uh, turns out the guy who works behind the bar actually uh, grew up speaking German. I said Danke to him, and he goes, Ah, bitte schön. And I was like... Uh, and he was like, yeah, uh, yeah, well, uh, Deutsch, blah, blah, blah. And then went on for like five minutes, way past my level of German, which is um, almost non existent. I did get some practice, though, because the Chris Crandall market is going on in uh, Chicago. And what this is, is a tiny German village um, that they've built inside of Chicago. It's right downtown, it's near the Picasso statue. Like right near the, uh, the the hall of of uh, justice or whatever the the you know whatever that thing is uh, I forget the name of the of the thing right downtown and uh, it's it's so cool it's like this little German tiny little German village and people are just selling all kinds of ridiculous trinkets and pretzels and uh, went over there on Sunday and drank hot wine with the girlfriend which was a blast by the way hot wine is a great drink if you need an excuse to drink early in the cold. If it's cold out and it's uh, earlier than noon, hot wine is a great excuse because it's like tea except it's got alcohol and it's actually wine. And uh, it, and you go, but it's, it's cold out, so it's keeping me warm. Also, the more you drink, the less you care about it being cold. So it's, I mean, it was winning on all fronts as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> they call it Glühwein. Uh, which you know is German because it sounds disgusting. Uh, but it tastes delicious. And we drank, each of us, uh, three different cups of this stuff. And they have these tiny little mugs they hand out, which say, like, Chris Crandall Market or whatever. And uh, there were people in our group who got, like, 100 of these things. Like, they were super tiny. I have no idea why anyone would want more than one, let alone one, completely. Like, why would you even? I don't even want the one. I mean, I guess it's better than a styrofoam cup, but there was a part of it that I was like, this is so chintz. This is just very... I mean, there's got to be families that have collections of them going back decades. You know, the Chris Crindle market has gone on for a long time. Uh, they had a lot of beer steins there, these Bavarian beer steins, which were very, also really cool. Cuckoo clocks, other German stuff, pretzels. Bought a big-ass pretzel, a girthy pretzel. Large, thick, throbbing pretzel. That we could put it in our mouths and was salty. <laughs> uh, we were in line and I was like, I want one big ass pretzel. And this guy like put, he like he goes, yeah, man, it looks like an ass. And he goes, you can do it. Put your franks into it. And I wanted to punch him because that was so, fu- he, there's no fucking way he did that just for me. He, he had to have done that before. There's no way that guy's that witty working at a pretzel stand. Anyway, I don't know. I'm I'm jealous. I'm not angry at him. I'm just jealous because that was very funny and witty. And the guy walks up behind us and he's like, I'd like one small ass pretzel, please. Very funny. Uh, at least everything's funny when you're, you know, after you've had three, three glue vine glasses. 
Uh, I probably could have learned about sex education when I was 10 and 11 if I had had a couple of mugs of Glufine. Probably wouldn't have bothered me so much at the time. Uh, and you know what's great is when you're that little, that much will prevent your dick from ever getting hard. So um, it'll be a lot, probably a lot more fun too. And it, I tell you what, if we couldn't have had it, it would have been a lot better if Mrs. Uh, you know, uh, Abraham had had a couple of those things and Mrs. Michaelis. That shit would have been, they would have been a lot, having a lot more fun. Probably would have watched a different video. <laughs> Probably what I watched, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're putting Chanel Preston's video in. <laughs> <clears throat> they better not, I don't know what they tell kids now. They probably don't say anything because the, kid, to, the kids today have iPads and internets, you know. They're playing Minecraft and making giant buildings that look like dicks and boobs. And then they're going on and just looking at dicks and boobs. And probably watching actually informative videos. Because here's the thing. Studies show, and I know this because I used to work at the uh, WUOM Michigan Radio. Studies show that if you don't tell children anything about sex, they'll actually go figure the shit out on their own. Like, they'll actually go do, they'll do the research themselves. Like, they're, they're actually smarter than you think they are. They're going to actually go do the research. But if you tell them, hey, it's abstinence only, then they get pregnant because you told them the wrong shit. And their bodies want to fuck, and you told them that that's not okay. It's it's so stupid. It's just like it's uh, if you tell kids, hey, don't smoke because smoking's bad. Like just smoking, it's just not good. Just don't do it. Then they're gonna go smoke. But if you go, hey, kids, smoke if you want to. But if you do, here are the risks. Then kids make actually informed decisions. It's amazing that this like somehow blows adults away. I don't know. It's a moral issue. I think that's why this is so fucked up. Is because it's like. It's 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 just was so heavily moralized that we have no human experience with it because morals aren't human they're they're totally in, impersonal right it's wrong to kill what that 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 doesn't how what where do where do I relate to that how do I relate to that it's like uh, if you if you put yourself in the mind of the victim I mean that's the thing have a story about the 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 awfulness of what can happen if someone's life is taken you know if your life is taken if someone you care about's life is taken. And then switch it around and then tell it again from the other perspective where you're taking the life. And then you have to deal with the consequences. Like that kind of shit, that would prevent, nobody would ever want to murder anybody after that. Or if they did, it would be about something that you and I would be like, wow, that was worth it. Like that guy, you know, that kid broke his mailbox every day for 100 days. That kid deserved to get murdered. (laughs) Brendan Lemon. Pro-child murder. Um... That's what they'll write on my gravestone. They'll say, Brendan Lemon, comma, pro-child murder. Uh, great. Good. Okay. Well, I'm glad we're arrived at some, you know, understanding here today, audience. All I'm trying to say is, like, if you, you know, if you're trying to moralize, you have somebody these directives, it, it doesn't, it, there's nothing that they can read in there. Like, be good to, like, to be good to women. What does that even mean? You know, uh, you got all these Matt Lauer people thinking that women want it. Well, hopefully, so here's the thing. This is the big reveal. I'm not quite done with the podcast. I haven't gotten into any of the shit I wanted to talk about, by the way, um, which is only happens all the time on this podcast. No one to blame but myself. Uh, <clears throat> maybe if I was an introvert, we would have some kind of semblance of of <laughs> order to this. But I'm an extrovert. And not only am I an extrovert, I'm the most extrovert. I'm an ENFP, which is... 
I didn't. I did not want to be this. By the way, I I, I don't even like. I, I mean, I love myself. I think I'm pretty great. You know, I'm happy. I'll hi, I'd high five me. You know, I don't like have to talk myself off a ledge or anything. I'm pretty happy with who I am. But I feel like if somebody laid out all the things that you could be, and they were like, "Here's all of them," I I don't know if I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll be ENFP." I want to be like Drew Barrymore, the other famous ENFP we all know and love for achieving great things in life. You know, Drew Barrymore. The one who's fundamentally changed the world for years to come and who they'll have statues built in her honor. You know, the people that are rewriting textbooks because of the footprint that she's leaving in her wake. The person whose society is reorienting itself after examining their sense of self based on her achievements. You know, Drew Barrymore. Jesus Christ. <sighs> well, I'm an ENFP anyway. And, uh, and this is what happens when we start talking. We get a spotlight on us, and we just start rolling, and everything we do just keeps going and going and going. We're like an Energizer bunny. Uh, so, uh, what did I want to talk about? Here's oh, Okay, so here's a big reveal, because I didn't say it. Um, I did reach out to uh, Sh- uh, Sh- Chanel Preston on, um, on, uh, a Twitter, on the Twitter, and I started talking about her show, um, the sex thing because I was like, this actually shows pretty cool and I really enjoy it. You guys are having a good discussion. It's a lot of fun. Um, I was like, I have a podcast. Would you have any interest in being on my podcast? And she retweeted, she tweeted back to me after I bugged her a little bit and she was like, yeah, hell yeah, dude, let's do it. So, uh, at some point into the new year, we will be arranging that, which I'm excited to do. Um, it's a little weird cause I've seen her work online, I guess. So you, you know, you've seen her, you, you know, I've seen her have sex and shit, but I don't know. I've seen a lot of people have sex and I'm still friends with them. So, (laughs) you know, it doesn't mean that you can't have a real conversation with somebody. Probably we won't actually talk about it that much because I'm actually really just interested in hearing your thoughts on this whole, on like uh, the Louie thing and Roy Moore and the me too shit and like where this is all coming from and how much of it is motivated by truth versus how much is motivated by, um, <clears throat> maybe a sense of revenge and how much of it is motivated out of this myth of male power like Warren Farrell talked about. It's a good book, by the way. I would encourage you guys to check it out. Uh, here's the other book I want to talk about. We met Ray Dalio, um, Bill Batit and I, last Tuesday. It was amazing. It was only a week ago. And um, the guy was really pretty... I mean, he's he was amazing. He, uh, he was a very unique individual. He's a, He's an older man now. Um, he has a very commanding voice, which uh, was interesting. And beforehand, you know, it's fascinating because he's he's kind of like the king. I mean, he's a guy who has developed an entire empire sort of around himself and through the work that he, he does. Um, he's built this entire, he's built a very powerful machine around him. And he would even talk about it like a machine. In fact, his book does talk about it like a machine. So you have to build a machine to succeed. And these are what I've been fascinated by lately because, um, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about this as well. Jordan B. Peterson, a guy who I don't know if I've specifically mentioned on this podcast before. Uh, maybe we'll, who knows, maybe I'll try to get him on the podcast even. Um, a fascinating individual comes from the University of, uh, of Ontario in Toronto. And um, the, the, the basic human story that Jordan Peterson talks about is this, and Campbell talked about it as well in The Hero with a Thousand Faces, is that uh, the man, the hero, doesn't have to be a man, but t- typically it is, uh, in, that is in mythology. 
leaves his tribe, and goes out into the world of chaos, fights uh, what Jordan Peterson would call the dragon Tiamat, the dragon of chaos, fights the the evil uh, thing that is destroying or ruining the world or causing the world in chaos. He overcomes a barrier. In his darkest moment, he receives an ultimate boon, uh, seizes the sword or the tool that helps him defeat the, the enemy, um, triumphs, and then takes that tool back to his people. And, and what's interesting is that is what Ray Dalio is trying to do, and that is his essence of building a machine, that you are trying to create order from the chaos of the world around you. You're trying to create some sense of order out of all of this insanity. And um, ostensibly, that is what I'm trying to do with this podcast, I think. Um, I know I get on here, and I just start fucking rolling, and I just start talking, and I just start going through all of my BS and everything that's happened in my life recently and my thoughts and diving into you know my 10-year-old boners and uh, Mrs. Abraham, who I wish uh, would get hit by bus, and all this other insanity. But the truth is that I'm, I'm really just trying to make sense of a very confusing world. And I think that as this podcast develops, it's going to seek to try to gain some kind of foundation or some kind of footing in a world that is consistently in future and present shock and that misinformation is fucking us up left and right and that things are either fake news or real news and it's hard to know and it's hard to tell. You know, I remember being in a media class in college and in it we were talking about all kinds of issues that were coming up in media into into the next century. They were there were all these good questions and they were like, how do you know if the sources you find on the internet are real and how do you know you know what it what what sort of references do they have and and what is true and how and, and and in what way can that information be vetted in a way that's useful and how do you compare it and who do you who are the people who who even write it and all of these questions and these are things what's what's really hit me is that these are questions that have been plaguing mankind in one way or another since the beginning of time and plato asked these questions and Aristotle asked these questions, and Socrates asked these questions. And that was, you know, almost 2,500 years ago now. And we're, we're right back where we were. And I don't think that that's a sign of the lack of progress. I think that's a sign of the consistency of the confusion that's always taken place. And throughout different eras, there's been different ways to organize our, our, our sort of central... Um, our orienting principle, whatever we figure out, our what what a Campbell would call the world tree, the center of the world, whatever we orient our lives around, the town center, the mayor, the king, the divine order of things, the power of the people, the the power of the corporation, the power of the individual in the marketplace. There's been these different principles that from time to time to time to time we've sort of reoriented ourselves around. And we're in an era right now where things feel very unstable and the world feels very chaotic. And we have to not be afraid, I think, to be the hero who wanders into that chaos and fights the dragon and makes sense of it. But that journey is personal and social at the same time. It's not just one or the other. I think it requires a going and attacking and then a bringing back to the people. And maybe that happens sort of over and over again in many different ways until finally there's some sense of footing and then hopefully we can kind of build a platform from there. I think at least in the United States right now, 
if Mr. Vladimir V. Putin is listening, there's a very strong instability from our lack of footing that's occurred. And um, and I think you're, <laughs> like like Michael Taylor said when he was on the podcast, I think uh, you, you are doing a great job over there causing us to lose our footing. Um, I don't know myself, but I'm I'm going to commit to myself in 2018 that this podcast, uh, I want to continue it because I enjoy doing it and I like ranting. And so far, uh, all eight of you listeners agree with me. And I'm going to try to bring on guests who, in one way or another, are attempting to do that themselves, to, to step into the chaos, fight the dragon, Tiamat, and make sense of what is a very confusing world, not just for themselves personally, uh, but but for for their communities uh, and for for you, I think as well. I think if you're listening to this still, which <laughs> statistically you're not, uh, I think that you uh, you're probably dealing with these very same issues as well. You're looking at Facebook, you're hearing one message and seeing another thing in the world, and that constitutes a kind of betrayal. I think it's a it's a kind of when there is a misalignment of the message. And then there's a dissonance between the, the message and the reality that the message is trying to portray. And, and Ray Dalio talks about reality being paramount. I don't think we should live with illusions. And I think he's right about that. It just seems to be the way that uh, the world the world is best dealt with. So that hits our time for this podcast. Uh, I did not get into talking about uh, really 2018 plans, the new Star Wars uh, what's the point? What's the, I, I honestly don't even fucking know why there's, you know, I know why they're still making them and I'm going to go see it because Chris Stuckman had a good review of it and I like him, but, uh, I don't know. There's a thing about, there's a, there's a deep sense of we're watching a dance macabre at this point. I don't feel a connection to the material anymore. And I didn't really get into the depth of meeting Ray Dalio. There was a certain kind of recognition of the other in there that this was a real guy. It was real, really possible that the things that 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 you can achieve in life are actually can be embodied by you. Anyway, uh, I hope everybody's doing well. I love all you very much, uh, all 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 three or four of you, and uh, looking forward to having new guests coming up soon and new episodes. And uh, I can't wait to share all that with everybody. Take care. And meanwhile, the madness continues.